one and all, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, plants, animals, and other, to episode 131 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Brayhall, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. Getting weird looks from my co-host already, and uh, so I might as well just introduce her. This is uh, our 131st episode uh, in a row, but not together, because she didn't go on all of them and I didn't go on all of them. But uh, be that as it may, she is the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot and the Michael Phelps of wine. Ladies and gentlemen, giving me weird looks from the side chair, side eye from the side chair, it's Ashes on Nightmare. Merry two days after Christmas, everyone. Oh yes, it's, uh, it was Christmas a couple days ago, uh, whether that you know means anything to you personally or not. Uh, it is the subject of some great debate, but before we get into that, we have to introduce the hardest working man in podcasting, ladies and gentlemen, the man with the velvet voice. I feel like energy low in this room, guys. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> it's episode 131. Get excited! Oh. <laughs> Still drinking coffee. I got some sort of eggnog flavor. It is earlier than normal, but... It is. Yes. Yes. But like, I don't know if you guys had a rough night or... But like nine days and... Or nine hours and several days, because we have to record this. Normally, we record on Tuesdays, but we're recording this prior to Tuesday, because Tuesday is Christmas. Yeah, these guys didn't want to record on Christmas. I know. I was like, I need to hold holy the sacrament (laughs) of the Lord's birth. No, not really. It's just we'll be out of town, and I'm not sure what Wolfie's plans are, but I'm going to go see Aquaman during normal recording time. <laughs> I have. I just watched the prequel to that. Um, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. Mm, nope. Yeah, I watched the prequel. It's uh, starring nope. Adam Sandler. Nope. Uh, the Water nope. Boy. Nope. Yep. That's the lamest thing that's, you've ever said. Yeah, that's well, one of the Water worst Boy you've ever said. grows into <laughs> Aquaman. No, that that's just lame. No. Adam Sandler wishes he was Jason think, Momoa. Yeah, I don't think Jason Momoa plays football. No. I thought he did at some point. Although, well, I mean, not in the movie. No. Did you see Jason Momoa do the haka at the premiere yes. of Aquaman? How incredible was that? Yeah. It's, like, I, I thought that was amazing. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, I mean, it gets back to his roots. Well, right, right. Know? And, you know, he got his family involved. His children were involved in it. I just thought that was a really interesting, really just unique thing to do. And it's so true to him. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see the movie. I haven't seen it yet. I know a lot of you have, so please don't spoil it for me. Um, but I do remember that when it was first announced that he was cast as Aquaman, somebody was like, oh, can you swim? And he's like, I'm Hawaiian, bro. So he was I, I don't think Baywatch. he sounds exactly like that. That's yeah, close enough. I did see um, he was on the Jimmy Fallon late night talk show. Why are you doing jazz hands? I'm I'm talking with my hands. It's what I do. I know people can't see it, but I just I can't help myself. Yeah, I talk with my hands too, but you were just you were literally doing jazz hands. Because I was trying to remember the name of the thing, but I know it's Jimmy Fallon. I just forget like if it's like late night with Jimmy Fallon or the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon Let's call or it Jimmy Fallon. One of the 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 Jimmy Fallon late night show. Um Jason Momoa was on it. He was the guest. They did a trident throwing competition. Now, we all know that Jason Momoa throws the axes. Gum? Yes, yes. They threw gum. Like they, they, they chewed it, get it all nice and like wadded up, and then spit it 
at a target to see if they could get it. No, they threw tridents, like legit tridents, the tridents that Aquaman wields in the movie. And it was interesting because, like I said, we all know that Jason Momoa throws axes. But it was interesting to see, like, how he actually threw the trident. It was a different, completely different form. Yeah. And there was no Guinness involved. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you want to throw the trident because that's how you prevent accidents. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but we're not here today to talk about Jason Momoa. We're here to inflame womp, your senses <laughs> at the beginning of this episode because uh, we had a little bit of a poll going on... Uh, on the Facebook groups and it was uh there was some contentious uh contentious thoughts going back and forth on this and I'm sure it's going to uh be I feel like this has become a very controversial topic. People have very strong opinions and feelings about this. Yes. And basically the the uh question is is Die Hard considered a Christmas movie and the reason we're asking that is because today we're going to be talking about one of the main characters from that film uh, Hans Gruber played by the incredible Alan Rickman so there will be some Alan Rickman impressions and I'm really good at Alan Rickman impressions so you sit on a throne of lies just want you to know that so the overwhelming majority of people uh there were a total of let's see two 90 votes wow and 72 of them say yes so yes die hard is a christmas movie uh, according to people's um to people's opinions now in doing research for the episode, I tried to look up uh, the specific definition of what is a Christmas movie. Because a lot of people had different thoughts on what makes a Christmas movie. Uh, for example, our good buddy Monster Zero said, if it's got a Christmas song in it, it's a Christmas movie. But then that brings up the whole can of worms that you and I were talking about. Because a lot of people consider Ode to Joy a Christmas song. And that song is played in a lot of action scenes, you know, across movies like uh, Face Off and and uh, Blown Away. And neither of those have anything to do with Christmas. So that, to me, is a weird criteria. Somebody else said if there's a Christmas tree in it, it's a Christmas movie. Uh, for me, for my personal definition... Now, there... In looking through this, and uh, another good friend of ours, uh, Alex DiVincenzo of BrokeHorrorFan.com, brought up an interesting point. Christmas is not a genre of movie. So it's very subjective as to what constitutes a Christmas movie. Now, to me, and I know uh, our good friend Brandon Powers completely agrees with us. Um, if the plot is centered around Christmas, like Elf, Miracle on 34th Street, It's a Wonderful Life, 
you know, Polar Express, then it's a Christmas movie. If it just happens to take place at Christmas and could be easily swapped out to another time of year, like, say, Home Alone, that could take break take place during a summer break. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be Christmas. It could be school's out, we're all getting together, and we're all going on a trip. Christmas isn't integral to the plot. So, to me, if it if Christmas is integral to the plot, then that makes it a Christmas movie. If it just uh, happens to take place at Christmas... But it's not, you know, Christmas isn't really central to the plot. Like, yes, John McClane gets invited to a Christmas party, but it could very well, because Ellis even says, well, it's kind of a dual celebration because we just closed this huge deal. Well, it could be, you know, we're celebrating this huge deal and you got invited to this party, you know, because your wife is a major part of it. That's me. That's that's my thought. So I say no. It's it's not a Christmas movie. Ashes, what do you think? My my opinion, my honest opinion, I don't care. I really don't care. Um I know people have really strong opinions about this topic. Uh and m- watch whatever the fuck you want to watch. Like seriously, if you want to consider it a Christmas movie and you like to watch it around Christmas time, that's great. If you don't and like to watch it at other times throughout the year, that's great too. I was, you know, we were having this conversation yesterday that there are plenty of movies that aren't Christmas movies that have nothing to do with Christmas that I personally like to watch around Christmas time for some reason. I think it may be because these, you know, movies make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside and, you know, bring back childhood memories that are just, you know, nice to have around Christmas like the Wizard of Oz. I actually just watched it last night. Or Mary Poppins that I've watched probably 10 times within the past week. Um, you know, so I, I just, I, I think that there are uh, more important things to be discussing and debating about out there. Uh, consider it what you want. Consider it what you will. I think it's a great movie. I think that the casting for Die Hard was excellent. I think that it is very appropriate to watch any time throughout the year. And if that's how you get your rocks off at Christmas, then go ahead. See, I'll be honest. I There's no wrong answer. Well, right. It's because it's, because it's all opinion. It's right. all opinion based. But it's just some people get really up in arms about it. And guys, it's Christmas time. Like we're supposed to be loving each other and showering each other with gifts and, you know, doing awesome stuff. So, you know, like it's it's fun to have these little like debates and whatnot. But, you know, I just I just think that people get way too invested in, you know, topics, especially like this. Is Die Hard considered a Christmas? Is Home Alone considered a Christmas movie? Like watch whatever makes you feel good, whatever it makes you feel good. And, you know, that that's that's it. That's my opinion. Yeah, because, I mean, if you were to try to, uh, you know, apply the same logic of. You know, oh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie because X, Y, and Z. Then that means, you know, Iron Man three is a Christmas movie. You know, uh, 
what's the other one? Batman Returns as a Christmas movie. You know, it just takes place around that time. It has nothing to do with the plot. So, I don't know. Think of that what you will. And um, that's, uh, I don't know. But I think the one thing we can all agree on is that Die Hard's fucking awesome. Right? Like, it's brilliantly casted. Uh, very well written. There's a lot of punny, like, one-liners in there. Uh, a, a mist of... Um, all of the action that takes place. And I, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll talk about this more uh, during the, the meat of our discussion, but yeah, because there's some really interesting trivia that a lot of people uh, may not be aware of when it comes to this film, especially uh, where the character designs came from and how it changed from its source material to be, uh, what it is now um we do have a thought on why uh we do get, we did get an email about this very topic okay so if we want to do uh we also have a voicemail too so if you want to do that before we go to our first break sure okay so the first uh the email that we got is from our good buddy, uh, Crum, who is uh, part of the Somebody's Network. And he uh, he had a show called Casual Sex with Crum, and now it's, uh, it's changed ever so slightly. Uh, he is now known as uh, The Filthy Casual. I like his, uh, his nice thing. He's, uh, his podcast is very... Uh, it may not be something you want to listen to on speakers around kids or at work, but it's very sex positive. Uh, he kind of tries to take out the uh, the uh, the taboo from you know various uh, various uh, sexual. Uh, I don't want to call them fetishes and things like that, but like certain sexual practices that it's like you know it's okay to you know, indulge in your own specific likes and dislikes. Right. To, to quote my friend Christina, who is an Athena's goddess, don't yuck someone else's yum. Yeah. And basically what he likes to do is, you know, talk more about the positive parts of things and kind of. It's also rather educational, too. It is. It is. I learn things, and it's fantastic. Plus, Crumb has a very nice, natural speaking voice. He really does. And there's something about how he enunciates things and his diction that I just, uh, it's enjoyable. It's very enjoyable to listen to. So definitely check him out. Um, yeah, it's, Casual it's definitely Sex with Crumb is the name a, of the show. A different kind of podcast in a good way. Some for some reason I thought he changed the name of the show, but it's still the the same name of the show. So he says, "Greetings, Ashes and Patsy." Normally this would be a voice message, but as I'm writing this, I can barely talk. I'm so grateful to have gotten to know you both this past year, and I do slide your show between my ears every single Thursday. Oh well, thank you. I'm going to say Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie because I keep seeing it featured during the summer action series that happens whenever TV programmers go on vacation. 
So clearly, it's a former summer blockbuster that somehow doesn't feature The Rock. <laughs> and here's where some of the, uh, where he spends a lot of time doing like the sex positivity stuff. Hans Gruber, which my autocorrect changed to Grinder twice, is probably the greatest villain in the history of cinema not named Michael Bay. Seriously, Snape over Transformers and TMNT any day. In closing, I wish you and your show love, success, and happiness into 2019 and beyond. And as I say to close out my show, if you can't be good, be good at it. So here's another, you know, kind of spin on why. I mean, it was released in the summer. It right. Was I was going to say, like, didn't it? Wasn't it? Right. Right. And like I said, it's it's played at n- numerous times throughout the year on, you know, like TNT and all of those other cable access channels or whatever. So Exactly. Yeah, so you know, it's it's one of those you can you can enjoy it year round because you're not being beaten over the head with you know the whole Christmas thing. But I will have to mention though, that's actually really smart on their part because because it does have the Christmas like themes to it. Uh, during certain parts, like the sweatshirt, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Which I made um, into a sweatshirt with fabric paint and just a gray sweatshirt. Um, you know, you can watch it around Christmas, but because it's not beating you over the head with all of this, like, Christmas stuff, you can watch it year-round and, you know, in- enjoy it and not be like, oh, I'm watching a Christmas movie in, you know, June. Hello, everyone. It's Miles, aka Mister Most. <laughs> Whoops, that's for uh, that's for the next show. I just sent Wolfie a flat. Uh, yeah, a file. Well, I guess when you click on OneDrive, it just automatically plays. It doesn't download. <laughs> <laughs> so spoiler that's a alert preview for next week. <laughs> Teaser. OneDrive. Wow. Who uses OneDrive? <laughs> I do. Do you? I okay. have. A, it's a terabyte of storage. It came with my laptop. Oh, that's so pretty good. I save. Uh, when we do interviews and stuff at like different conventions, I will save them into my OneDrive so I have them and I don't have to worry well, about. Well, up. why don't you get a two drive? Wouldn't that be better? <sighs> well, I only need one because I only have the one laptop. If I get a two drive, then I have to hook it up to another <laughs> thing. So, um, but yeah, uh, sorry that kind of threw me off. <laughs> I don't remember what Sorry, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's expect okay. that uh, to happen. Yeah, that's for next week. Um, we do have that other voicemail from uh, the Creedence Guild. If we can uh, play that one before we go to break, sure. Awesome. Hey there, Patsy Ashes, and the rest of the crew over at the Throwdown Thursday podcast. This is Bob with the Creedence Guild. I hope you guys enjoyed the recent Mary Poppins movie. A uh, little quick fun fact, Mary Poppins, I believe, was the first character I ever had a photo with at a Disney theme park that was in Epcot. And I want to say it was back in 1985. That sounds about right. Uh, but to your question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Personally, I say no. Even though it takes place on Christmas Eve... Which, right there, I have a problem with it. What company holds a company Christmas party on Christmas Eve? True that. That just seems asinine to me. Nobody would show up unless they're all childless, heartless monsters. But 
That's what you get when you hold a Christmas on Christmas Eve. Uh, my opinion, to, is it a Christmas movie? I say no, but my opinion can be swayed on this. If the director, uh, John McTiernan, comes out and he says that, yes, it's a Christmas movie, then I will change my opinion. I know the writer has come out and said, yes, it's a Christmas movie. He didn't direct it. Let's go with John McTiernan. He, his, his voice will carry over all, in my opinion. Until then, it's just like a bank heist action movie that takes place really close to Christmas, and there's jingle bells in every scene. But Throwdown Thursday and Cretans Guild, we both joined the Somebody's Network this year. Uh, you guys have been really supportive of us. We've tried to support you every chance we get. We all support each other. Uh, other than that, you guys, I hope you have a great New Year. I hope everything turns out really good for everybody. And now it's time for me to get to work. First thing I thought of was Rocky. Yeah, yeah. First, first thing I thought of was Rocky because... That's his. Uh, our, our, our buddy his, Rocky yeah. tends to do that as well. Yes, you know, uh, people t- tend to have really uh, profound thoughts on the toilet. It's true. Um, it's true. You really do. It's like you know, people say shower thoughts, and this is shitter thoughts. Yeah. Well, how often do you get to just sit and relax this during is, the this day? Is true. Yes. Well, I don't know if it's relaxing, but you know, <laughs> it, depends on what, it depends on what you eat. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> oh, why did and I, I know, eat that whole pine I know cone? Patsy uses one of those uh, step stools or whatever you call it. Yeah, the squatty potty. Squatty potty, yes. yeah. Absolutely. That thing is <laughs> fucking awesome. I so you don't it. have as much time to sit and think then? You'd think that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I thought it helped expedite things. <laughs> it does. It does. But again, that's uh, how often do you get a chance? That's like the only time I get to read, too. I read like three Game of Thrones books this year. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say in one session. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's No, your legs fall asleep and you try to yeah, stand this up. Is, see, this fall. is why we need two bathrooms. Cause, uh... Oh, God, yes. <laughs> we used to have two. Now we just have the one. And it's... I always have to check. Like, do you need to use the bathroom? Nope. Okay. I'll see you in an hour. <laughs> no, it's only like 45 minutes. It's not a big deal. <laughs> It's only 15 minutes off. Not, not not a big deal. I know. And they get mad at me at work. It's like, whoa, just because I go to the bathroom seven or eight times, 45 minutes a, 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 a stretch, like, ooh, suddenly I'm not getting any work done. See, she's not laughing. She's just giving me a look. She's like, I don't know if that's a joke. Right? <laughs> like, like, that could be. That, that could be true. That could be true. You- All right. So... Do go to the bathroom a lot. I want to thank Crum and and, and uh, Bob, two guys we need to get on the show. Yes, absolutely. Um, for sending that, <laughs> that that feedback in for us, and we will definitely uh, be touching on a little more of this as we go through. But uh, I think right now we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll get into our like, you know, our real the real meat of our conversation and talk about some Hans Gruber. So we will be right back. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, 
we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, star of Sci-Fi Channel's Megalodon, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday's podcast. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. I guess we're all prone to mistakes this yeah. early. <laughs> I was like, that's a different song than usual. I honestly thought we were about to hear our own promo. <laughs> you know Listen what? Listen to Throwdown Thursday. Like that's every, every Thursday. Day. I am Ashley and I like wine. I'm Patsy and I like sharks, 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 sharks. <laughs> I'm Wolfie and I like producing. <laughs> Hey, right. if you fuck up, you gotta you gotta admit, do something with it, right? See, this is this the is the best episode ever. <laughs> See, this is the difference between our show and a lot of other shows that like really go make it through. perfect. Yeah, we like, don't edit. We never make like I know there's a there are a couple of shows. I believe it's the You Got Red on You podcast who at the end of their show like have a bunch of outtakes and stuff. Yep, but. I just, I, you know what? Fuck it. Like it's like real life. Oh no, you, you get to, you get to hear. Up, yeah, you get to hear all of the mistakes, all of the uhs and the ums. Yeah, we. Own You're it. welcome. You're welcome. Besides, who the hell has time? We're too busy watching. Well, not movies. only that. I mean, there's something to be said about a really well put together show that's nicely edited, and you know, I mean, I oh, no, there's nothing that. wrong with that. I pre- yeah. but I also really, really, really appreciate the off the cuff, spur of the moment, spontaneity. You know, it's, it's almost like you're listening to us live for the most part. Like this is how it's recorded. This is how you know everything that happens is what happens, like in the studio, minus what the the shenanigans that go on during break. But if they're funny enough, we'll tell you about them, you know, on on air. But you know, I, I just if I want people to feel like they're in the studio with us, that they're part of the conversation with us. Even and, though we can't hear you, know, you we're when you not yell at perfect. Us. We're not the most eloquent people in the world um sometimes i forget how to 
word word good good and string sentences together and you know i just i i I think there's there's something to that i think there's something you know to kind of putting the vulnerability out there you're listening to ttp episode 131 (laughs) that's that's like that kind of show that's okay to edit but yeah like this i mean obviously you guys know i'm obviously a huge proponent of that and that's kind of i kind of like was like that's how it's done like here because i i don't fucking edit but um but yeah it it creates like because the thing about the the show is it's like just you're just hanging out with you guys for like an hour to 90 minutes and if you edit it and cut out some of the other stuff it's 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 i think it's really compromising what it actually is that you're doing Right, and I feel like for for our show, for what we are, who we are as people, I feel like you're going to lose some of our personality, lose some of who we are if if we edit, because you know, like we're I'm I'm fucking stupid, guys. Like I am so stupid, and like you get to see that, or I should say, you get to hear it, and you know, it's it's you get to be a part of the, the the off the cuff thought processes that we have or you get to be part of the random tangents that we we go into or you know you get to be part of the oh my god i have this brilliant brilliant idea that just came to my head right just now right this should be like having a conversation with us because this is how we speak when we're having like a group conversation like this is how it is you know so and it's certainly you know it it is not for everyone but Actually, um, I talked about this. So the podcast host that that we all use is Buzzsprout, and they just started their own sort of. They're calling it like a channel, but it's really a podcast feed, and they're putting out different shows on it. So they're they're thinking of it as like, here's our channel, just like you'd watch Discovery Network or History Channel or whatever. There's different shows on it, right? But they're all sort of similarly themed. So they put out a. Um, it's called the Buzzcast. Is their feed. And on it, they have a couple different um, types of shows, and so they were looking for for you know producers who wanted to be on it, and so I applied and got chosen. I just did my interview a few days ago, oh, and wow. that was one of the things that we talked about was th- that because most podcasts do edit and spend hours doing it, and that's hours that you could be doing something else. Like I literally used to spend eight to ten hours editing the early early episodes of Trick or Treat Radio. Oh. And that is just time lost, right? Like, I mean, obviously we have a long show, so it's a little different, but it, it that's just so much time lost. And, you know, when, when you just do it live, you're on your game. Like, you know, this is it. Like I have to, I have to, every, whatever I say is going to be out there, you know? Right. So, and it helps you to improve as well. So I don't know if you guys ever go back and listen to the episodes. I yes. do recommend that people do that. Maybe not everyone. But so you can go back and see, and if there's something that bugs you, you need to change it and as opposed to just thinking, ah, we'll get it in post, you know? So I just think it makes you a better communicator in general, not even just for podcasting, but in general. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. So, and, and I'm glad that you guys dig it and that it works for your show as well. Yeah. So nice little tangent there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's again, all because I fucked up. <laughs> that's how See? our conversations go. We uh, get off on these tangents. So I'm sure some people get off on these tangents. Oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's an episode of Crumb Show right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so today we're talking about Hans Gruber. 
brought to life in Die Hard by the just incomparable Alan Rickman. And one of the things I kind of want to talk about, because a lot of people don't really realize this, this is a fall. This is based on a book called Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe, which itself was a sequel to a film, uh, to a book that he wrote called The Detective, which was made into a film called The Detective, starring Frank Sinatra as the titular character, Joe Leland. Oh, blue eyes. Yeah. Now, this is a very loose adaptation. So if you want to, technically, it's a sequel to The Detective. But they changed some things around. They changed Joe Leland to John McClane. Uh, They changed, you know, instead of Nakatomi, it was a uh, uh, Roxxon Oil Company, you know. So there was a, a, a slight difference to the plot. But the reason they had to change things is Thorpe wrote Nothing Lasts Forever specifically to be made into a movie because he wanted a sequel to The Detective because he liked having uh, Sinatra play the title character because Sinatra was perfect for the character at the time. However, due to contractual obligations stemming from the making of that first movie... Bruce Willis was not the first person to be offered this role. And a lot of people know that like Stallone and Burt Reynolds and Schwarzenegger turned this role down before it got to uh, Bruce Willis. But prior to any of them, because of the contract he signed with, you know, the studio and Thorpe and everything in the beginning, the role of John McClane had to be offered to Frank Sinatra, who at the time was in his 70s. Uh, He obviously declined, but that's something that a lot of folks are not aware of. Another thing that they may not be aware of unless they've read the books or watched the... uh... Wait, sorry. Can can you just... Can you imagine a 70-year-old Frank Sinatra saying yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know what a TV dinner feels like. I can see him saying that. Hey, Hans, go fuck yourself. I, I can see certain things, but other things. Wow, that, uh, that doesn't sound like your other impressions. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed, actually. <laughs> Give it a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, certain things, yeah, I can see him delivering these lines, but like lowering himself down the elevator shaft right. from the gun. The, no. the action sequences, maybe not so much. You know, fighting Carl, fighting Carl's brother. I can't see that happening. But one of the other things people don't realize, and you know, this kind of gets into the heart of the character we're covering today, the original antagonist was Anton Little Tony the Red Gruber. He was not uh, explicitly German the way we see him portrayed. Um, so there was a lot of changes made because the book was made was written and published in 1979. And Die Hard didn't come out till you know, roughly a decade later. So, although I'm I'm hoping I'm not getting my timeline messed up on that. Uh, I think it was like 88, 89. Let me take a quick look. Nah, 1988. Yeah, and then Die Hard 2 came out in 1990. So, <clears throat> they had to make some changes. You know, Al Powell 
was a 22-year-old, you know, fresh-faced cop, you know, not, you know, the seasoned veteran who spent most of his career behind a desk. So they, they had to make some changes, and I think the best change that they made was to Hans Gruber. Now, one thing folks don't realize, and Ashes, I know you're going to get into this, this is the first on-screen appearance of Alan Rickman. So why don't you let folks know exactly how that came to be? Right. So Alan Rickman took this role. He was 41 years old. Like, had not been in any type of televised cinematic uh, portrayals at all. Was pretty much involved in stage productions. And the um, role of Hans Gruber was originally... Uh, supposed to be Sam Neill, but he turned it down. Now, in the spring of 1987, producer Joe Silver and director John McTiernan attended a performance of the play Dangerous Liaisons, in which Alan Rickman played the villain, and immediately Silver and McTiernan realized that they had found their Gruber. But Alan Rickman nearly passed up on the role, which obviously ended up being his first film role, because he had only arrived in Hollywood two days earlier and was kind of appalled by the idea of his first role being the villain of an action film. Now, this role would go on to be one of the top villains of all time. Pretty much any list that is compiled puts Hans Gruber in either the top position or pretty close to, to the top. Yeah, which makes Like, typically sense. in the top five. Oh, yeah. Easy. Um, and when... Taking on this role, um, when asked about playing Hans Gruber, the villain, Alan Rickman was quoted saying, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not playing the villain. I'm just playing somebody who wants certain things in life, has made certain choices, and goes after them. Which He's very you ambitious. can really tell in his portrayal, because he kind of teeters from being this, you know, maniacal villainous person to being very just nonchalant. He he evolves himself like over the like when things are going well, he's very like calm, like he's complimenting Takagi's suit and he's like oh, I have three myself. You know, and he's just you know having a good time and then he gets at the end when when Bonnie Bedelia says to him she goes all this and you're nothing but a common thief and he's like I am an exceptional thief. Right, and then he says the line of, of about the, the kidnapping. Like, and since I've graduated to kidnapping, you might want to consider being more polite or some, something along those lines. But I think the fact that he was able to switch between like a casual persona and an intimidating one is just so brilliant because you really didn't know what this person, this character, was capable of doing. What secrets was he hiding? Who is he? And, you know, not much is known about... I mean, we know that he was a member of this, like, German terrorist group. Mm -hmm. He was kicked out for some reason, but that's pretty much all we know of his backstory. And see, there's, um, there's a, a trope in Hollywood now that when you see an actor... You look at him like, okay, you know, I know how this guy is going to play this character. But where Alan Rickman had never been in a film before, you had no frame of reference. Like, you see a movie and it's like, 
Oh, Stallone's in it. Well, I can kind of figure out what kind of character he's going to be. Oh, Schwarzenegger's in it. I know what kind of character he's going to be. Dennis Hopper, same type of thing. Like, I know what kind of character he's going to be based on what I've seen him in before. But then you get this guy who's new. He comes in. He's got this perfectly tailored suit. He's got this, you know, gang of, you know, mercenaries. And you can tell by the way that they're that they walk in and like they take over the building with zero effort that he's just like this brilliant mastermind. And he's just like, yep. Right. He, he, everything. He had an answer for everything. He wanted the FBI and the, you know, police department to think that they were terrorists. They weren't terrorists. They were just thieves. He literally says, you know, we've covered every angle and he says, we've left nothing to chance. But that's when the elevator opens up with uh, Carl's brother in the now I have a machine gun. Although, fun fact, in the book, I know I'm going to say this a lot. You know, I'm going to sound like one of these people like, well, in the book. Uh, but no, in the in the book, it says now we have a machine gun, which to me is much uh, much a, smarter. Yeah, so that's a brilliant tactic because, you know, obviously in the movie, now I have a machine gun. Okay, one guy. We're just dealing with one guy. Uh, but, you know, to say we have a machine gun, are we are Two, we dealing with multiple three, people? 12? How many? Right. Is it one guy really just saying this? You know. Um, and w- one of the other things that you the biggest changes is most if not all of the point of view and perspective of the the book and this is another thing uh we talked about this when we i think we talked about the martian about how in the film you don't get as much of an inner monologue but with the book you get more of an inner monologue so in nothing lasts forever pretty much everything is from joe leland's point of view you like you don't get any insight into who Hans Gruber is as opposed to in the film like he's a much more fleshed out character and you know he becomes that much more impactful because you know you get to spend more time with him and I think that was a conscious choice done by McTiernan because he knew he was dealing with someone who was very talented and you know they uh, you know they really set up this cat and mouse uh, game, especially the scene where you see how quick-witted and intelligent Gruber is when he's trying to get up to the roof to get his detonators or whatever he's doing and runs into McLean and then pulls a Kaiser Soze and starts like reading names off a board and he's like, oh yeah, I'm Bill Clay. You know, oh, you ever shot a gun before? Uh, yeah, you know those guns that shoot the red paint? Yeah. Yeah. And that first meeting between Hans Gruber and John McClane was actually unrehearsed because they wanted it to have that organic, like almost like a trepidation like feel of of two people, you know, meeting for the first time and knowing that they're adversaries and, you know, not knowing what the other was going to do. Yeah. And you can see that, you know. Gruber's good at thinking on his feet, but at the same time, McLean, you know, given the fact that he's a cop, doesn't trust him, can kind of get, like, 
Because he do- Gruber doesn't get rid of his accent completely. You can still mm-hmm. sort of hear the 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 German English like tinge to his voice. It's like um, you know, McLean already spoke to this guy. You know, he's talked to him a couple of times. He's heard his voice a whole lot over the radio. So now he's just like, okay, something about this doesn't match up. So, right, and in that scene, it's kind of like um, education versus street smarts. smarts, Yes, he literally says he's got a classic education. Yeah, yeah. You know, Hans Gruber is so intelligent, obviously, because he was able to you know create this entire plan and have all of these contingency plans in place as well. And obviously, John McClane is not fucking stupid. He's a cop from New York. He'll tell you that like within the first five minutes of the movie, Um, you know, so uh, and he's done this for a while, but like 11 years or something like that. He he has quite the the career and the force. Resume. Yes. Um, So he knows certain things. He's aware of certain things. He's, you know, knows how to recognize behaviors and whatnot. So, you know, each of them are taking what they've learned from their respective sources and using it against each other. And I think that that just makes for a really brilliantly done scene. Yeah. It's, it's very nice when, you know, you get genuine reaction and talented, uh, talented actors getting to play off each other. Like I know, um, you know, Bruce Willis kind of gets this, reputation for being just like a big dumb action star but you know a lot of his roles like he's very good um four rooms pulp fiction sixth sense death becomes her like a lot of these you know these roles required some range so yeah he's just playing a a cop but you got to remember at the same time this is like his breakout role this is his first big role same with with uh Alan Rickman and they both kind of went on to be I don't want to say typecast but so many of Alan Rickman's well, characters I mean, are right. played he, the same way he Alan Rickman was pretty much cast as the villain from that point on I mean granted iconic roles but still well he was also in movies that like required like stuffy English people there's there's like some it's not like pride and prejudice but it's like terms of endearment or something like that i don't know that I, haven't he's seen in, it. I don't i haven't either but um you know obviously his his probably his most iconic role to date severus snape yeah but then you see the difference of of a role he plays as the Metatron in Dogma. Oh God, I love that. He was so good, and it, so his easy, good. quick wit. The Caterpillar in uh, Alice in Wonderland. Um, he was also in this movie called Love Actually, which is a decent, you know, rom com. Cr- yeah, um, he's kind of well. He's he's an asshole, uh, a lovable asshole, but he's an asshole. He's cheating on his wife, and it's just it's he's he's not a good person. But anyways, um, you know, it's it's 
slight a slight deviation from from what he normally plays and i guess even snape in the Harry long Potter run series, yeah. is i mean he's not the bad guy he's just it's... a bad guy like, like it, it's and then obviously you know bruce willis has done a lot of action films he went on to do like how many more diehard movies I think a lot they're working on like the 25th one right now die harder <laughs> no that was the second one was it really die harder so there's Die Hard 2 with Dennis Franz. Die Hard 3 with um, Sam Jackson. Die Hard... I forget what... Live Free... No, not Live Free or Die Hard. That's the fifth one with Jai Courtney. The fourth one is with Justin Long and uh, Timothy Oliphant as the bad guy. And they're working on a new one. But, like, they were trying to introduce other characters. Like, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays his daughter Lucy in the Justin Long version. But, I mean, you, you also can't leave out the Die Hard musical. Die Hard the musical. Yep. Work Hard or Die Trying Girl. Uh, featured in uh, Bob's Burgers. But, see, the, the the issue I have, and not to deviate too much off of... I'm Hans Gruber. Consider, consider yourself, yourself grooved. grooved. <laughs> I'm grooving. I'm Hans Gruber and I'm grooving. And sometimes that means shooting. Mr. Tricaghi in the head. Yeah, if you if haven't you've... seen the work hard or die trying girl on uh, Bob's episode of Bob's Burgers. It's one of the do most yourself a favor brilliant episodes of, of Bob's Burgers. And there there are a lot of really well-written episodes of Bob's Burgers. But this one, oh my goodness. Competing they turn it musical. into a musical yeah. and then they combine it with... Working girl, yes. Oh my god, yeah. It's it's great, but anyways, um, and, and then at at one point, uh, he tries to do Die Hard, the one man musical the one man show. Yes, yeah. and oh and god. that's just it's it's hilarious. So if you have not seen it, or at least it's on YouTube, Hulu. yeah, it's on Hulu, but you can probably YouTube like certain clips from it. Uh, it's, also, it's hilarious. There is also a uh, a series on YouTube. I forget who does them, but they turn movies into musicals. So there's like RoboCop, Terminator, Predator, and um, obviously Die Hard, which is excellent. So, Mister Mystery Man, yeah, Mister Mystery Guest, um. But one of the things I was going to say, like I said, before I get too far off topic is this is a series that just it jumped the shark. Like there was it gets so ridiculous. Like the first three. Yeah, I guess they're kind of believable. But like in the fourth one, they decide to go instead of plot uh, over the top action action sets. So uh, that's that's something that a lot of movies suffer from. But. One of the things that you don't find out until much later on is that Hans Gruber has a brother who uh, does a <gasps> similar plot. A brother. Where, you know, he's using a distraction in order to pull off a massive heist. And we find that out in Die Hard 3. So I won't go really into the plot of that because that's not what we're talking about. But there's a. There's a great scene where, and he's played by Jeremy Irons, who, if you are unfamiliar with him, he was Alfred in the new DCEU, uh, as well as the voice of Scar from The Lion King. He, uh, 
he meets up with McLean at one point during the movie and he says, um, he's like, your brother was an asshole. And he's like, yeah, he was, he was an asshole. And he's like, so why are you all doing, why are you, you know, going so crazy over him? He goes, not liking your brother is one thing, but not caring when some dumb Irish cop throws him out a window is something completely different. You know, so he's using that as a pretense to, and he's, just as uh i would say he's just as brilliant as his brother as far as like creating plans and doing everything like that but so obviously it runs in the family i don't know where they went to school but you know it's like evil criminal academy or something so that's where a lot of villains go it is it is but the thing i like about um hans gruber is the way he kind of responds to every situation. But even his, like, he's got specific parts of the plan that only he knows about. So it's hard to fully trust him if you're working for him. Because, you know, he's got Theo, his, his hacker. And... He's like, well, you know, there's this last lock. I don't know how to get through it. There's no way to do it. And he's like, oh, well, when the FBI comes, they're going to cut the power and all this. And it's like, but he doesn't find out about it until the FBI shows up to cut the power. So they have this whole plan in place. But they can't get to this last through this last lock to get into the vault. And only Hans Gruber knows this part of the plan. So my question is. How and why was he able to get all of these people involved, you know, from a security guard to, you know, uh, the, the, the tech guy to the demolitions guys, all these people to come work for him and hijack this tower without knowing how they were going to get the bearer bonds? He's charismatic. Yeah, but you got to be charismatic as hell in order to be like, yeah, we're going to go do all this. What's the plan? But Don't worry about the plan. Hans Gruber has a way of saying things and explaining things that makes you believe him. And the other thing that I, I know. Like, and and that's, is, um, you know, qualities of a of a leader. You know, he has excellent leadership qualities. People want to follow him. They want to believe him. It's not just that. He also he has this way of. Um, adapting and improvising. It's like, okay, we knew the police were going to show up. The police had to show up. This is just a little bit earlier than we thought it was going to happen, but we needed it to happen. So, you know, it's no big deal. Everything's fine. You know, and he's always a couple of steps ahead. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to bring the hostages up to the roof and we want a helicopter transported you know, to transport us all to this airport. And the FBI is like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. We'll get it. And they're like, oh, we're just going to shoot at him. You know, they don't know that we're going to have guns in the helicopters. And then Hans Gruber's like, oh, yeah, we're going to blow up the roof and take out the FBI guys. You know, so it's like it's a triple cross. Like they know they're getting double cross, but they're double. Well, I guess that's quadruple cross. It's a lot of crossing. Yeah, it's. Ugh. But not only that. Hans Gruber is smart. He tells you that he's smart and you know that he's smart 
by the way he carries himself and by how he speaks. So people tend to want to follow people who are smarter than them. Somebody that can offer them something that they can't themselves do. And, you know, $640 million? $640 million in 1988 money. In bearer bonds. Yeah, and if you were unfamiliar with just what... Just as good as money, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're unfamiliar with bearer bonds, uh, they are literally valuable to whoever holds them. Like, there's no serial number or any, any way to, like, track them. Like... Like, oh, I'm going to take your bearer bonds. It's, you know, the, the old saying, possession is nine-tenths of the law. It's like, well, I have them, they're mine. Right, but you didn't work for them. You just, you stole them. Prove that I stole them. Right. Because there's no, there's no trail. It's just, I'm taking these, they're mine. So that's, if you are unfamiliar with it, that's what a bearer bond is. Um, oh, i got a bit of a headache having trouble concentrating and thinking of words i want to talk about the end of the film or oh, i should say the end was... of hans gruber hans I, i'm end, yes. i'm sad that this character was killed off in this one movie but he has to be well right uh, however how it was done was perfect and the reaction shot this is in a day where you really don't have Guys like that doing their own stunts, but uh, I'll let you tell the story. So, um, what had happened, okay, uh, Hans Gruber is holding on for dear life at Nak- uh, on like the one of the top floors floor. of Nakatomi Tower. Poetic, right? Because he's trying to take the tower and now he's holding mm-hmm. on for dear life. Um, to the tower. Anyway, hanging on to the watch. Right. So for the shot where Hans Gruber falls from the top of the building, Alan Rickman was actually falling from a 21-foot-high model. He was holding on to a stuntman and falling onto an airbag. But to get the reaction right, the stuntman actually dropped Rickman on the count of two and not three. So they're supposed one. to do... Um, it was one. It was one. I, my, my, from my what I, from what I say two. Unless they said one and then dropped him on the count of like instead of saying two, they dropped him on two. Yeah, they're like one and let him go. So he was. What did he like? <laughs> so he that that reaction that you're seeing, that reaction that was filmed, is a true terrified reaction. He thought that somebody had screwed up, and he was kind of fearful for his life for, for a couple of moments. Because it took them a long time to, like, convince him. Because this is something that a lot of directors will do. They'll they'll let well, one person know what's going to happen, and it's like, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And they want to get genuine reaction shots out of people. Well, and, and so they have to make sure they get it. Being um, his first film he actually you know had reactions to certain things that he wasn't supposed to react to so like gunshots when he you know when Hans Gruber would shoot the gun closed uh, his eyes yeah Alan Rickman would flinch you know he's not supposed to do that but that's just a you know just just general you know reaction that he had so um the director decided that he would play upon that and use that you know okay alan rickman is reacting not now hans gruber isn't reacting but alan Rick, rickman is reacting to what hans gruber is doing yeah like and he had to be like really like coaxed into 
doing this. Like, hey, come on, you got to do this. Like, I don't want to do this. And they're like, come on, do it. Like, I don't want to fall from the building. And they're like, just come on, like, okay. <laughs> just so, like that. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what happened. They're like, come on, uh, Alan, we get we're gonna drop you off this crane. No. No, we, no, it's gonna be great. We're gonna uh, we're gonna drop you, and it's because it's gotta look good. No, but like we can't get a stunt double that's as handsome as you. Okay. <laughs> but I thought that was such a smart thing to do, and that reaction shot is one of the greatest. I, I think one of the greatest death scenes in an action film. Yeah, I mean, because and you, then you see, see him the and, real terror on his face. Right, and then it, sh- it shots to, like, a long shot, and you see, you know, Hans Gruber falling from the 30th floor of Nakatomi Oh, I hope that Tower. wasn't one of the hostages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great line. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just... This being his first role, I mean, I mean, obviously it opened a lot of doors for Alan Rickman uh, cinematically, but you know, and pretty much you know, kickstarted his career. No, it did. But I mean, uh, how do you how, how like I, I still can't wrap my head around that that this is his first film. I mean, obviously he did theater, lots of theater, and uh, that's a great place to start if you mm-hmm. want to become an actor. Theater is a brilliant place to start because you know you receive great direction and you're live, so you have to be able to portray and convey things on a nightly basis and be perfect, right? Every single time you have to hit your mark every single time. Right. So theater is a great place to start, and you know that make I, I believe that theater actors translate uh, better to. Movie acting because of that. I agree. So I think that's going to pretty much wrap up our our Hans Gruber uh, conversation. Plus, he's super foxy. Like Hans Gruber with the facial hair and the nice suits. Like he's 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 a snack. Now I have a machine gun. Her her her. You you've been waiting to say that. Yes. Yes, you have. So. All right, uh, we'll uh, we'll go ahead. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back. We'll give you a preview of next week and uh, what's to come in the future. So we'll be right back. Do you love a scary story? Do you love to dance? The big scary monster haunts at midnight is a collection of dark songs about sex, love, death, revenge, and the end of the world. Brought to you by the world's Monster Hunting, Electro Shock Band, The Dead Eggs. 
Hello, this is the Sasquatch, aka Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. I played the rock song earlier. I forgot to play another rock song. <laughs> it's funky. I don't get any opportunities to play Deadite's Christmas song, so. Oh. No. no, why don't you tell folks where they can it's get It's Christmas them? in the city. Sure, if people want to, they can go to the Deadite's band camp, and the name of the track is Blue Christmas. It's the most unchristmas Christmas song ever. Oh, he said Santa Claus. That makes it a Christmas song. Well, it is about it takes it's it's like Die Hard. It takes place. It's a story that takes place on Christmas. Nice. <laughs> so, I've heard the song many times. Yeah, and there's also uh, I think the one that's on Bandcamp is actually a remix. So Ooh. featuring T Pain. No, no, it's not a remix. It's actually kind of a reimagining or like kind of a new version of it. That's kind of a little bumped up. Directed by Ryan Johnson and subverts your expectations. Uh, nope. It's actually a completely different song. But it's uh, thedeadites.bandcamp.com. And when you go there, it's like the first thing you see says, The Deadites Blue Christmas. So, so buy it. Give give them your dollar. Yeah, it's one buck. One buck. Give them your dollar. So, and while you're at it, you can pick up some of the other Deadites bangers. Oh, I turned off the wrong mic. I'm, I am so out of it. <laughs> Oh my god! I have energy, but I'm out of it. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what happens. Uh, see, we. Oh, I don't know. No, Wolfie, you don't do coffee, do you? No, I don't do You're, coffee. No. So, so what do you do to kind of get yourself like up and motivated? The most because I'm a coffee person. I need my caffeine. You know, I have my cup of coffee. Handful went, of, of amphetamines. Yeah, you know, a little cocaine. I'm good to go. So, what do you do to kind of get yourself like up and awake in the morning? I don't know. I just slapped myself in the face. No, <laughs> I, I just, I, I always have my morning smoothie, and that's pretty much it. I like to just kind of chill out for a bit if I can. Okay. And uh, you know, that's. I don't really have too much trouble. It's it's that first like ten fifteen minutes. That's rough. So. Yeah, for me, it's like that first ten fifteen hours of being awake. <laughs> yeah, like, it's rough, and then you get going, and then you got to go to bed again. Yeah, then it's like, oh, it's two a.m. I've got plenty of energy. Yeah, I know the curse of being a night owl. That, it's horrible. That's kind of the same for me. It's like the steady incline until like midnight, and then I'm like at the highest I could possibly be, and I'm like, I need to start coming down because I need to go to bed soon, and then yeah, so I don't go to bed till one or two usually. Yep, same. Yeah, same. I would yep. probably go to bed much later if I could, but you know, yeah. sleep and all. Yeah, I kind of got to do that. Well, we hope you enjoyed this uh, this uh, non Christmas Christmas episode. Yes, <laughs> that's part of the reason why we had it take place right after Christmas. This is very merry on Christmas. So, uh, if you found any of this informative or uh, intriguing, please let us know. Oh, okay. So, can I just say, fun fact? I actually watched Die Hard for the first time last Christmas. 
So this was only like my second viewing of of the movie. That's true. And my first introduction, like my introduction to Die Hard was through Bob's Burgers. That's right. Because of the musical episode. And Patrick's like, what are you laughing at? You don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah, like this doesn't, like you don't get the joke. You can't laugh at this because it doesn't make any sense to you. So finally I was like, fine, motherfucker. I'm going to watch the movie. And... We own the Blu-ray of Die Hard 1 and 2, so of course we watched the VHS, because I have a VHS trilogy that I got at That's Entertainment for like 10 bucks. It's Die Hard 1, 2, and 3, and we just popped in the VHS. We watched the first two, so it's pretty awesome. The first one was definitely better. You haven't seen the third one yet, which is so much fun. Like, There's a lot of references to other movies that the two of those guys are in. Yeah. But, uh, what do we have coming up? Well, next week is our year-end show. We have a ton of feedback. So many shenanigans. And we're going to be talking about our favorite characters from the year, our favorite shows, uh, our favorite guests that we had on. A and lot this, of favorite stuff. This was a, a very eventful year. And then we have a bunch of folks who appeared as guests uh, or our listeners or people that we've met this year who are uh, leaving some feedback for us. And um, we're very excited to, to bring this episode to you and to share everybody's thoughts. And um, I think that's about it. I mean, do you have anything else? Nope. So um, I guess with that being said, we will uh, <gasps> see, see you, you next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> Yeah! <laughs>